All right, you're back in the DFSR with an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network. Broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge, I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are going to be breaking down week four NFL main slate on FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, we're going to be going game by game, talking injury news and notes. Not a ton this week. Uh, we'll talk some, some Vegas spreads, some implied totals, maybe some money lines as well. Try to cover every little bit, bib and bob, that you're going to get uh, from these main slate games. But how are you feeling about this week? We kind of talked about that we nodded to this in the cash game podcast that we put out yesterday and then sort of in our week four preview, though things were maybe, you know, we have a little less sense of like where we're going to go uh, in terms of prices. But I don't know. I, I'm not going to – I get this weird feeling from this week that like we're in this week four sort of – there haven't been enough injuries. Prices are kind of correcting to the point where everyone seems sort of fairly priced. And now we're staring at a week where there might just not be a ton of value on the board. And those, those are the kind of weeks that I, not, I don't get iffy about, but I just kind of send, sometimes look at the lineups and I think, hmm, like, are we all going to be in the same, or is everyone going to be on the same guys here? And you're kind of, you know, maybe like competing around two or three positions instead of the whole thing. That's kind of the feeling I'm getting from this week as we head into week four. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Like I'm, you know me, Doug. I would never, in a million years, root for any injuries here. Oh, but like a turf. But but what about like a turf toe? Is that, is that too much to ask for? I don't want anyone to, you know, tear at Achilles or anything like that. But like some turf toe, you know, maybe like a like, paternity leave. Can we get something? Where, there we go. We I can get, like, I can stick my teeth. I can definitely stick my teeth. Yeah, into a, paternity a little leave. paternity <laughs> leave. Come on. Like you know, Come uh, on, Marlon Mack. You're you're not having any kids. Give me a break. I'm sure it's got to happen. Um. <laughs> I, did, I did read that like the James White the James White paternity leave was timed almost directly to nine months ago after the Super Bowl. Like that was like that made a lot of sense to be nice. the conception date. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he's uh, like you take that, one day to party and let your hair down a little bit, and uh, <laughs> and then here you are, paternity leave in September. She's a keeper. Yeah. So yeah, I feel the same way. I mean. Basically, every position feels great to me, except for running back. But given that that's so often where we're trying to go after some safety, that's not really a great position to be in. And it really is pretty amazing how it can work out this way because there are a lot of teams in the NFL, and like one team is going to be favored in each game, right? I mean, theoretically. But it's like the teams that are favored, where we generally want to take running backs, almost to a, every single team don't have a running back situation that we want to target. So I'm sure we'll get into it here in a second. But, yeah, it's, it's certainly a pretty difficult week here. Yeah, um, we're basically into week four, and we've had, you know, some people say, like, oh, you can go zero, you know, zero running backs was, like, for a long time sort of like a, a catchphrase that people would use for drafts because, like, running backs would just emerge. Uh, sort of in the old days, a guy would get hurt and then someone would, would come up. But the way, the way most teams, so many teams run now, that even if someone gets hurt, you're really not getting any real value out of it. So not to complain about this, but it's just we're in, we're in, we're in weird and interesting times when it comes to NFL running back. Let's go. Let's roll through some of these games. Excuse me, all of the games on the main slate. Plenty there is plenty to sink our teeth into, and we're going to talk. Try to make the distinction between cash game and GPP plays as we see it. Uh, and if you nod to a guy and don't discuss that that person at length it's it's probably because we discussed them on the cash game podcast yesterday uh we're gonna skip over the thursday game and head right into carolina going and playing houston in tech uh, excuse me houston in texas the texans are minus four home favorites started at minus five came down to minus four we talked about kyle allen's week and just sort of uh replacing cam and maybe i don't know a uh, cam i guess is going to come back at some point but i guess if you're a carolina fan it seems like you're less worried about it at this point and we did talk about christian mccaffrey as probably being 
about as safe as it gets in terms of usage that we're going to see on this slate. But he's still a minus four. Excuse me, he's still a plus four underdog going on the road. Not where we like to have running backs. Let's talk a little of the Carolina side, and then we can get it to Houston. Sure. Yeah. So on the Carolina side, one guy I think is actually pretty interesting if you're playing like an early slate is Curtis Samuel. Uh, Samuel had 13 targets uh, on September 12th against Tampa Bay, and then last week he goes out there, he catches seven or is targeted seven times, catches five balls for 53 yards and a touchdown with Kyle Allen under center. Now those aren't like the type of numbers that you write home about or anything like that but if Allen is going to be more accurate and we know Samuel was a highly tied wide receiver uh, coming out of Ohio State this year like I think he's a pretty interesting upside big tournament play especially because the savings you get on him are very meaningful this week Um, you know in a week where you're really finding a difficult time getting really safe cheap plays I think he's in that you know that next tier below where we probably wouldn't want to play him for cash games on the main slate or anything but um you know, as you're just trying to free up some room and find a guy who could go for 100 yards and a touchdown that's underpriced, I think he's in that group. Yeah, I think that you like to see that he was at Kyle Allen in his first game, the number one targeted guy in that group That's uh, that speaks to at least some trust. I think you like to see that Greg Olson was right there with him with seven targets last week. Olson c- converted six of those uh, targets for 75 yards and two touchdowns. The touchdowns aren't going to aren't really replicable, but the fact that he just led the team in, that he that was tied for the team in targets on only 26 attempts, I should say, too. Like, if you get, if you're looking at a situation where they're going to throw more and you need to start divvying out the target share, then you could definitely see increases like to eight and nine targets for these guys if things sort of hold. So I think I am kind of with that. I wonder if maybe the seven targets actually is probably is even a little low for Curtis Samuel that we have. That's what we have him in our system. Uh, so we can kind of we can nod to that or we can look at that as we get closer into Sunday. And, you know, if you're a member, if you're a member of our uh, premium subscription, this is something that we'll discuss uh, in our chat room leading into how we uh, sort of formulate cash games going into lineup lock. After them, look, we talked about McCaffrey yesterday. I think we'd probably end up with McCaffrey in cash games because of the safety, though there could be something of a price crunch. He's easily the most expensive running back on the slate for uh, for both sites, and that's how he should be. The Texans, I, I, this is a weird team. Now, they're favored here. They're four-point home favorites. Mm-hmm. We kind of like to have running backs in this situation, but I can't make really the distinction between what they're planning on doing with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson here. And I have some res- right. reservations maybe about DeAndre Hopkins as well. Like the targets have not exceeded. He has not been in double-digit tar- double targets for the last two weeks. What are your thoughts on this Texan offense? Well, yeah, I can't see any reason to play anyone on this offense for cash games this week. Either you have guys that have huge upside but are too expensive, like Watson and Hopkins, uh, guys with sort of an erratic, erratic track record so far, uh, you know, like Kenny Stills or Will Fuller, guys that can show up in any given week but not – people that you can look at reliably, especially when compared to options at the position elsewhere. So I think for that reason, this just has all the makings of a, of a big tournament stack, but not a cash game play. Yeah, I like that uh, from just a tournament upside. I do like that Watson has run 15 times already in the season, two rushing touchdowns. That's something that you and I talk a ton about. Just love love having these uh, just guys who can just take off and scramble. He's fourth in the league in rushing attempts, and he's yeah, he's like sixth in overall yards. So you do like to see that. The, he's been sort of efficient, only 66% completion percentage. They haven't needed to throw a ton. They do play kind of slow as well. They had at least one game where they were 
winning easily, and that's where Carlos Hyde sort of ran downhill. So I, I think overall just not a very exciting offensive team when it comes to fantasy, but they're still at, sitting at right at 25.75 implied points. I kind of do like the plus four on the Carolina side for this game. I do, th- I do think that there's probably just – I hate to like overrate one game for Kyle Allen, but I think that it's easy to it's kind of easy to forget just how bad Cam Newton was when he was playing. And so I, I just think that this is a pretty clear, at least in the short term, quarterback upgrade, if, especially if Cam was playing hurt and just having some pretty significant problems running that offense. So uh, I like the plus four, even though they're going on the road. I don't love it, but it strikes me as that maybe not buying totally into that Kyle Allen just probably makes this definitely makes this offense better. Let's keep moving. Yeah, one one quick thing too: big tournament uh, potential stack. Uh, Watson taking a lot of sacks. I think you could look at Carolina as a pretty interesting upside play for big tournaments too. Watson last year sixty-two sacks taken. This year twelve so far. So um, yeah, that brings in some significant upside there. It's crazy for how mobile he is too. Like they just take this many sacks. It just really so a lot of the mobile quarterbacks take a lot of sacks because they wait in the pocket long and they figure they can get out of anything. I guess I don't know. Yeah. So all right, we'll roll through it. The Cle- uh, the Cleveland Browns go in to play the Ravens. Ravens start as a minus six home favorite. Are now up to minus seven. Twenty six implied points for them. It's a forty five over under. So the the line the over under moved down with the the uh, basically just on the Cleveland side. They went from twenty implied points down to nineteen as people continue to be worried slash no longer believing in the Browns prolific offense that they were supposed to be when they started the season. Let's start on the Ravens side. We've been, we were so high on correctly on Lamar Jackson for the first two and almost three weeks as we were looking at cash games. It's another game where they're projected for a lot of points. He has shown that that first week where he didn't run really isn't the plan. Like he's run plenty of times over the last two weeks. Where does Lamar kind of stack up for cash games here and he ran, excuse me, last week, I know it's the Chiefs. He threw 43 times and rushed for eight. Give me your thoughts on Jackson, and then give me your thoughts on Mark Ingram, too, as we kind of try to wade through some of these running back problems. Uh, I just wondered your thoughts on where Ingram stands in your ability to possibly play him in cash games as a big home favorite. Yeah, I mean, as, as weeks continue to pass, Jackson looks more and more just legitimately like he's going to be a, a really excellent dual-threat quarterback in the vein of someone like Watson. Um, you know, we were, at least I was a little bit concerned about the rushing after week one. He's now averaged 12 carries a game in the last two games, including punching in a rushing touchdown last week. Um, you know, the, the completion percentage was down last week, so you don't love to see that. But still on the year, it's, you know, everything is pointing upward and I'm not going to overreact to one game. Uh, again, I think we probably just have a better option for cash games. I think, you know, Ru- Russell Wilson is in such an elite pos- spot this week that it's really hard to imagine recommending anyone else instead of him, uh, just with the phenomenal matchup with Arizona and a similar skill set here. But I don't mind the play at all. I mean, especially, you know, just to, we've talked about many times, the classic quarterback that you can play alone for big tournaments and often get separation doing that. Uh, you know, you can always pair him with Hollywood Brown or Mark Andrews or someone as well if you want to capture some upside. Uh, as for Ingram, I don't know. Like, I guess for me, it doesn't really feel like a cash game play. Uh, he's just expensive, right? Like 7,800 on FanDuel for a guy who had 15 touches against Arizona, you know, bumped that back up to 20 against Kansas City. Granted, they were losing as well. Um, I don't know. It just feels it feels a little risky in that increasing price point to me. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. And I think that we're still just in this place where um, 
I, I get he's expensive, and all these running backs relative to their opportunity seem a little bit expensive. And I think we're just going to end up with one of them at when it all comes, when it's all said and done. So uh, I don't look. Ingram is right now he's fourth in the league. That's no, going to be fifth overall in the league in total rushing yards. He's averaging six yards a carry. So they're putting him in just in prime, like just primo spots whenever he's he getting those goal line carries too. Five five touchdowns so far. Exactly. So yeah, and the five touchdowns you're, is yeah. not doesn't easily lead the league, but he does lead the league in touchdowns as well. So he's getting those down and close carries. He's ripping off yards when they actually give him the ball. The Gus Edwards is still in the mix, and that's really the only thing that's stopping him from being there uh, just at the very probably top of this list. He did catch the ball. He did catch, or excuse me, he had four targets in the passing game last week for 32 yards, which you really do like to see that as well. They were playing catch up a lot with KC, and I don't think that's the plan really, just the way this offense runs, and you do like to see it. He, he's, he's borderline for me. Um, I don't think at 7,800 on FanDuel that we're going to end up going there. But, uh, well, yeah, that's the only thing I was going to say. Just tell, just tell me where we can take the savings elsewhere and still have a respectable place at every position, and I think I could get behind it. Uh, and by the way, last piece on Lamar Jackson, after not running at all week one, he's still the most quarterback rushing attempts at 27, easily the, high, the most rushing yards at 172, uh, Josh Allen's second at 105, so 67 yards behind him. Um, the plan is still to run Lamar Jackson. And, and look, I, we'll pat ourselves on the back. We said this after week one. People, I think, were not willing to jump right back on the Lamar Jackson train. And we kind of said after week one, look, I th- we think the plan is still to run him a lot. And that was correct. So uh, it was nice to just like sort of be out in front of a not, – not have a total week one overcorrection that they, they were just going to land with him as a pure pocket passer. Uh, quick thoughts on the Browns. We talked about Nick Chubb as a possible cash game play just because he's an every down guy. Is plus seven just too much to really consider him? I think I feel like we're going to be wishy-washy about these running backs all the way through. Well, Chubb is also on that list of guys that I could conceive of playing, uh, just because the opportunity has been there. You know, running back with the third highest volume this season, in spite of one game where his team lost by thirty points, and he still touched the ball in that game too. So, uh, given how shaky Baker has looked, um, you have to think even Freddie Kitchens can notice this that, that Chubb is still, uh, you know, I mean, Od- Odell Beckham is still there, but he's a very, very talented skill position player. So I will take a. Uh, I'll, I'll take Chubb if I have to, but again, I'm I'm still just hoping as we go through all these teams, we unearth that diamond in the rough, so I don't have to. <laughs> uh, the Baker Odell Beckham matchup has, or excuse me, uh, link up has not really paid dividends that people thought they were going to see. They've tried targeting. He has 30 targets already, which is a respectable number for anyone that's not named Keenan Allen. Um, so you'd like to see those targets. He's converting 63% of them. He's only has one. He has one receiving touchdown through the first three weeks. But man, I mean, how concerned are we with Baker that just this maybe? I mean, is this going to turn around for this offense? Is the offensive line just too bad? He looks like he doesn't have the time. They look sort of lost on offense. Is it too much of an overcorrection to think that this team is maybe just a blow? If it can't be a blow average offense, it would, wouldn't seem. And and yet they're right here sitting. They're sitting week three or week four with under twenty implied points going in. What do we think about the Baker to Odell Beckham hookup? Yeah, only a big tournament play. I mean, I think you can get it with some good separation this week. You know, again, I. Head on over to fansharesports.com and, and see what they're thinking right now because I have to imagine that this duo, like, you know, were they the, were they like the sexiest pick going into week one? They might have been, right? Like, you know, you, you couldn't go anywhere without uh, reading about how people were going to pair these two up and like, could you also throw in, you know, someone else, Jarvis Landry, and like really capture this incredible offense and like that kind of thing. Um, I think people are really down on these guys right now and. I yeah, wouldn't be surprised if you could get with a, a pairing that you have to say still has 
you know, the temptation or the possibility to hit the very highest levels in terms of total production, like it still can happen, but um, yeah, they just haven't done it so far. And that's sometimes a good place where you want to be for big tournaments. I actually really don't mind the, the Browns plus seven here. I think that there's probably been a little bit of an overcorrection on people just worrying a lot about this offense. I still think they have enough pieces here. I know the offensive line's troublesome. And um, I just, I, between the sort of the slower pace of play on the side of the Ravens and maybe just a little bit of people kind of just <laughs> thinking they're a little bit better than they are and the Browns being a little, thinking they're a little worse than they are, I actually don't mind that that's a plus seven, them going in the road. Uh, the, the Rams is looking more and more like that was probably just a tough loss. And they did play them pretty tough, um, only lost by a touchdown. So I think I can stick my teeth into plus seven. Uh, going into KC, KC, uh, excuse me, not go, KC goes into Detroit, I should say as six-and-a-half road favorites against the Lions. The Chiefs right back up there to 30-and-a-half implied points. That is the most, once again, on the main slate of games. We talked about Mahomes is just overall crazy safety. I don't think you know, we need to spend too much time on guys like Mahomes and guys like Travis Kelsey to just know that these guys are, even if they're expensive, they're just you know about as elite as it gets at the position. So uh, all the supporter loves going those guys' way. But I have some questions about this, the – the running game to some degree, and really just the passing game as well. What, we talked, we nodded briefly to Sammy Watkins yesterday, and I said we would get just a little bit more into it in, in, this, in the game-by-game game podcast, but Watkins over the last three weeks is easily the highest-targeted chief and yet is not even really close to the best fantasy chief. And at what point does that just flip? Like, how often can you just be the most targeted guy in this chief's offense and not just be the overall best raw points guy. Because it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen that often, but we now have multiple weeks of it happening. Are we too quick to overcorrect to avoid him here, or should we maybe just be kind of locking him in, especially from a GBP standpoint? Yeah, well, the crazy thing on Watkins now is just like, especially if you just sit there and try to compare his price to some of these other guys, right? So um, after his big week, Watkins' price was up in the high 7,000s, right? It was like 7,800. Right now, he's $400 more than McCall Hardman. Like, that's not, that just can't be right, right? I mean, McCall Hardman's getting, he got five targets last week against Baltimore. Granted, he was awesome on those five targets, about as good as he could be. But, yeah, I, I just have to think the correction is coming. And I am still definitely a believer in Watkins. I am, I don't know, maybe our DFSR faithful won't be happy to hear this, but I could absolutely see playing him in cash games this week. Um, I know we have some other options here, and we have some really good options, so... You know, I don't know if I would slot him ahead of some of these other elite plays like the Keenan Allen's like, of the world that you mentioned, but he's right there for me. If he was in the lineups, I would not balk at him. Yeah, the only issue with Watkins this week is he does draw some pretty tough matchups between Darius Slay and Justin Coleman. Like, Slay is not going to shadow cover him, but they're going to be kind of where they line uh, Watkins up. He's going to see a lot of the two of those guys between running in the slot, and they will move Slay around a lot as well. So uh, I do think that's like the only thing probably dinging him a little bit in our system, that that cornerback matchups for him as they move him around, as you kind of like, as you kind of just look at the, the tree of uh, who he's going to face on a percentage basis. That's really the only thing. Yeah, I guess. Let Larry Fitzgerald let those guys up in week one, though. I, I, I can't. Like, I, I think there are cornerbacks that you want to look at and be like, whoa, no thanks. But I just don't know that the, the Detroit core is quite there oh, for Oh, sorry. For, I'm, I'm for only saying – I wasn't saying I, I want to avoid them. I was saying the only thing – because we still have them at nine and a half targets. And nine and a half targets in this offense is worth a hell of a lot of fantasy points. Right now, mm. even at nine and a half targets, we do have – 
Oh, well, Keenan Allen's projection is just stupid because the target share is so crazy. Um, I was just uh, real quick. I had it. I clicked the wrong thing. So we right now we have Sammy Watkins as. I mean, we have let, let, just okay. Let, let me just give a quick list of guys. Um, Sammy Hawk, Sammy Watkins uh, for a th for sixty seven hundred or DeAndre Hopkins for a thousand more. I'm just gonna go quick a couple like elite wide receivers. You're on DraftKings here. Uh, I am on DraftKings. Yeah. Um, I take Sammy Watkins. I take Sammy Watkins points per dollar easily over him. Uh, Watkins or Julio Jones for a thousand more. I know these aren't one to one. Yeah, again, the thousand just is a lot on drafting. So I'm gonna, I just don't, I don't think for cash games I'm gonna be able to spend that much on a wide receiver. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Watkins again. Yeah. So like, so Watkins is like price in this tier just ends up being, I think, pretty easily if you're looking at this like sixty five, sixty seven hundred dollar tier. This is like guys like Watkins. It's got, it's actually a lot of possession, you guys. It's like Watkins. It's Cooper Cup. It's Julian Edelman. It's guys like this. I, you know, from a safety perspective, you. Well, that's the thing that's holding him back from my perspective is that there are just three to four guys that are very similar who don't have, you know, whatever quote-unquote concerns there are about Watkins. Basically, it's been a conversion issue in the last couple of weeks. The other guys don't totally have those for me, so I'd probably just lean, you know, with, with the known quantities. But it's an embarrassment of riches, and, and I think you can still play Watkins if for whatever reason that's how it all shakes out. I think that's mostly my point. I think that people are going to sleep on him, and it wouldn't shock me at all to say, like I don't, and I don't often say this. Like this guy could sh easily, just based on what's happened in the past, just easily be in the top overall like millionaire millionaire maker lineup this week. And like, I, I, look, you can say that about any guy in any given week, and you know, you'll sound smart if you hit on it. I'm just gonna pick one guy that I think people might be sleeping on a little bit because the price hasn't fallen enough. But I, if you are gonna get the most targets in this offense, you have insane upside. Uh, I don't know what the new, I don't know what injury news we have coming out of the running back situation here. I believe uh, I. I, I Thought I looked up Damian Williams. Right now, McCoy is still banged up. Yeah. Um, I don't think Williams is going to play. And that's kind of like where we're at. But I think people presume right now that it will be a very similar situation to what it was last week. Last um, week, there McCoy, was... yeah, limited. Last, yeah, if you're on Twitter last week, there was a, a Twitter beat writer, excuse me, a Casey beat writer that tweeted out something along the lines that Daryl Williams was taking the first team snaps and that kind of just like jumped everyone off McCoy. Now McCoy came out with the first team for the first couple series, but still Daryl Williams ended up out snapping him 37 to 26 and out carrying him nine to eight. So uh, that's just, there's too much uncertainty unless it, it, again, they just have this guy, they have Daryl Williams go out there and rush nine times for 62 yards. It kind of doesn't matter who they plug in at running back here. These guys just rip off chunks of yards just because of the system. So uh, they're, they're running back independent and you just can't play any of them because they could just put any, just kind of warm body out there. To, to play running back, and they just are, are viable on the touches they have. All right, uh, I know we're long-winded here about Casey. Uh, that's kind of my fault. Anything that you like on the Detroit side? Uh, you, you, is there not enough to say that Stafford and Galladay and these guys are going to play catch-up, or I don't know, are you, do you think there's any value here for the Lions? No, <laughs> not really. I mean, again, there's no one talking about these guys, so if you want to grab them uh, for big tournaments, I think you can do something there. I especially think that there's going to be some opportunity for – um, you know, like you said, playing catch up and, and trying to chase down a big total. I mean, the only thing that would dissuade me from it is that you can see Stafford just kind of spreading it around sometimes. So I think it might be hard to really pin down exactly where the ball is going to go. But sure, big tournaments, I, I sign off. The only guy I don't sign off on, pat myself on the back one on this one too, is on Johnson. I, I think A, he's not very good. And B, Detroit never is going to figure out what they want to do 
in terms of running the ball. So I will not be playing carry on Johnson. You didn't love the 20 carries for 36 total yards last week? I didn't uh, love that, no, especially considering that that was like the first time basically in the, the Lions history since they had Barry Sanders that they just had one running back that they tried to hand the ball off to 20 times and it didn't work. And you just know that all the Lions front office is just sitting there saying, you see, this is why we don't ever have a future running back on this team. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to play Kerry. Yeah, no, I, I, I was kind of high on him this week. You're just, again, like kind of falling into the fool's gold trap of, oh, this is going to get the guy that's going to get all the carries, and they finally do it, and the guy just can't even get past the line of scrimmage. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats, use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. Okay, uh, <laughs> Colts host the Raiders. Colts are seven-point home favorites here. T.Y. Hilton um, is questionable for this week, so I think we're going to need to wait on some injury news and notes for him. That could matter in terms of where they redistribute targets if he weren't to play. Uh, it's one of those few situations I think that we have this week where we probably could redistribute some of the just some of the you know overall target share, but I think we're just going to need to wait, and I, I don't want to be speculative about that right now. But we are in a situation where they are seven-point home favorites, where we like to grab running backs, and they've shown no – they have not been shy at all about running Marlon Mack as much as possible, especially in games that they're winning, but actually kind of sometimes even if they're playing catch-up. Is he a guy that we can look at as maybe just a you know a volume upside back? He did get three targets out of the passing game last week. That has not been a part of his game up until this point. Uh, they still do have Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Himes sitting around, but is Mac, how close is Mac to, to the cash game consideration piece for us? knowing that they're pretty big home favorites here. Yeah, he's certainly in that group of guys, you know, frogs that might be willing to kiss as we get closer to kickoff here on Sunday. Um, the usage for Mac has been very, very solid. Uh, I really like to see him being involved at least somewhat in the passing game the last couple of weeks. And whatever concerns I had about him being injured going into that Atlanta game were pretty much, um, you know, pretty much satisfied uh, after seeing him touch the ball almost 20 times. So, yeah, I think Mac is, is in that group of guys whose number I could I could think about calling. I wouldn't be excited about it, I can tell you that, because uh, I just don't see him as quite on the same level as the guys who are going to get the carries and the targets out of the backfield, just with Hines lurking there. Uh, that does spook me a little bit, but yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> if the rest of the lineup looked great and Marlon Mack was the last piece, I guess I could do it. Okay, so I have a one-for-one one here. Same price on FanDuel, Marlon Mack or Nick Chubb? 7300 Yeah. That's really close. Uh, I think I would probably go with Mac, I guess, just I think, with the yeah, being take, a seven-point favorite. I think I take Mac too. I think the seven-point favorite is the thing that swings me. Now, look, that's baked into our that's baked into our projections. We we factor these Vegas totals in terms of like how you're gonna run as a running back, and especially especially a guy like yeah Mac for the for the game script purposes. Yeah, for the game script purposes, it really helps his carries. That's this is the only way to. This is really the only way I can say it is that uh, this is factored in. But their projections are less. They're about point three total points off on FanDuel, but I, I do find that one to be an interesting this or that scenario, and I could see us maybe walk, talking about this one, again, specifically going into Sunday as we try to just really hone in on who is a safe cash play. Uh, we'll have to, again, we'll have to wait on the T.Y. Hilton news. 
they the Raiders released Ryan Grant today, and it looks more and more like they're just gonna go with Hunter Renfro and uh, Tyrell Williams as the as the two wide receivers with Darren Waller. Grant wasn't great shakes, but he had four and a half tar- a median four and a half targets this season. Um, you know where do we see this passing game? Again, they just might be playing catch up the whole season. I'm done with Josh Jacobs. I thought that was that. I thought people could have fun with that for one week, and I, I was another one. I was glad to say, well, I'm not going back to the well on this guy because they're just going to be playing from mm-hmm. behind too many times this season. But what about this passing game for the Raiders? It feels like they're going to spend the whole season maybe just playing catch up. Yeah, that might be true. I, I don't know how much it matters for fantasy production. Um, so you know, getting those four and a half targets, you know, respread around. Like Tyrell Williams had three targets last week in a game against Minnesota, where uh, you still, you you would have figured that that's the type of game he should be involved in, uh, given how that game script played out. Uh, not interested at all. Darren Waller, you know, I mentioned him as one of the the very few truly elite tight end plays we have right now. Uh, right now he's on twenty nine targets, twenty six catches. Like the guy is outrageously valuable to his team right now. So I think we'll see a lot of him. And I do think Josh Jacobs, now that he's down to 6,000, you know, I don't think you play him for cash, but there are a lot of game scripts where he'll touch the ball 20 times. Uh, you know, We saw that against Denver in a game where they lost two, and he's also getting the down and close carries. So it looks like they'll go away from him You know, when they're facing one of these great teams. It's just going to kick their butt. But in games that stay close, I think he will be a 20 carry back. So uh, that may, mostly makes him a big tournament play. We've seen that the Raiders will have a difficult time keeping things close by and large, but uh, I'm not quite as high on Indy as many people are either. I, I think there's at least some element of fool's gold to the beginning of the season. You know, this riding this high off, coming off of Andrew Luck, um, facing some teams that we're not sure. I'm, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like people were just like, ah, oh, count the Colts out. The Vegas total lowered by three games. Like I think that's that's got to be worth you know some amount of adrenaline uh, going out there to try to prove yourself and and all that kind of stuff. But um, but nonetheless, I do think that. Uh, the Raiders will probably lose, so you don't want to play Jacobs in cash. Yeah, look, the Colts are two and one on the season. They have a negative point differential. It's only minus one, but That's um, all I'm saying. yeah, like and the Oakland on the other side. Look, they're they're one and two, but they're minus thirty. The Oakland's not very good. I, I don't think that's the. Uh, I don't think anyone's making that case there. I think you're just saying that maybe Indy's not as good as other people would. You know, other people would claim they were. I think the it, losing to I Hilton. I think if if Hilton were to play, not like these position players always really matter, but that that's a really really pretty important part of their offense. All right, well, uh, well let's keep moving through the rest of these games. We have the Chargers going and play Miami. Chargers started 16.5-point road favorites and are still there. The total did start at 44.5, came down a point, so equally on both sides, um, just the, the overall point total. Melvin Gordon is going to report week four, so, excuse me, week five. No, excuse me, he's going to report prior to week four, but he's not going to play. Uh, so he is going to be on the team, but he is not going to play this week. So we have another week to try to figure out the Chargers offense. We talked forever about Keenan Allen yesterday, so we don't need to rehash that one. Uh, we kind of mentioned Rivers as a cash game possible play only because uh, this Miami team defense has been just so atrocious. Is there anything else that we didn't cover with the Chargers game last week I see some people kind of like being on Justin Jackson as just a change of pace guy who could just see enough you know these backup running backs against Miami have also kind of just gotten theirs <laughs> just because other teams are just kicking the crap out of them so bad uh, so I have seen people just mention Justin Jackson as a possible play anything we haven't touched on for the Chargers uh, between the last two podcasts because we've spent a fair amount of time knowing they were going to play Miami yeah I think 
the backup running back situation is actually a pretty interesting play. Uh, Tony Pollard was a phenomenal play last week. He had like 22 FanDuel points or something like that. Gus, so, Gus Edwards got so a yeah. Gus Edwards got a bunch of carries. Yeah. Like um, they, yeah, I, yeah. I guess like the, the the Patriots were a little bit of a different situation. But yeah, like, I I don't know. Yeah, could you? Yeah, but still, they got Burkhead in there. You know, people were people were doing stuff for the Patriots too. So yeah, I think I think you can go. I mean, Justin Jackson, unfortunately, you'd really like him to be like 4,500 given the amount of total touches he's had so far this season, right? I mean, isn't this like kind of stupid that a guy has to be 6,200 who touches the ball eight times a week? Like uh, I don't know. But so you're not really like getting away with much. You really have to have him come in and just be insane. Like he's more expensive than than Josh Jacobs. Like I think you could pretty safely say that Jacobs should have a higher overall projection this week. Um, yeah. So that being said, I, I think the Chargers are probably a well explored territory at this point. I do have some Dolphins plays. I'm gonna throw at you real quick. You listening? I'm listening. But actually, hold on real quick before you move on. Uh, I want to bring up just say mm-hmm. one thing. Justin Jackson. I know the Fanduel price is silly, but he's 4100 on Fanduel. Excuse me on Draft. Excuse me, the Fanduel price is silly. The DraftKings price is 4100. I don't know. Like how close is that for you? Because that's that's creeping toward punt play territory. Probably not safe enough for cash, right? But I don't know. 4100 for a guy that could just see this backup run. Is that is that is that cheap enough to have you sink your teeth into? For big tournaments, maybe. I, I still. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not like I, I think whenever you're taking plays like this again in the old anyone can win you a GPP category, sure, but I, I don't. I'm just not excited about it. Um, Hit me with these Dolphins guys. I cannot yeah. believe this. I cannot Thank believe you. this. Goodness game. me! I mean, I've been sitting on the, the listeners have been sitting here for two and a half minutes while you have to talk about J- Justin Jackson's drafting price, I'm waiting for my excellent Dolphins plays. I'm about to spin out on them. Um, this is nothing's too surprising actually. Uh, Preston Williams, I think, is actually. You know, again, according to Fanshare, getting some buzz, uh, you know, on Twitter and elsewhere for DFS purposes this week. He had 12 targets last week against Dallas. It's going to be an absolute crap show. We've said that four-letter C-word a few times on this podcast. Hopefully, uh, you're covering your young one's ears. But I think it's going to be a crap show the whole season for the Dolphins. And ultimately, it like we've, we've said this with the NBA, too. At some point, when you just get blown out every single game, it's like, well, what do we resting our guys for exactly (laughs) shouldn't we just like kind of keep practicing and keep putting the guys on the field so i think that's a a reassuring sign i think he'll be somewhat highly owned for big tournaments because anyone who can get double digit targets in the low five thousands has got to be pretty interesting uh i do want to pour one out for Devontae parker i still think he's probably the most talented wide receiver on the team poor guy seven targets for zero catches zero against new england and then three catches on six targets last week but uh, you know, still getting some target share and super cheap. So if the Dolphins ever get around to scoring touchdowns, those are two guys that I think could be involved. Well, that's the big if, isn't it? Because if they ever get out, they, they, yeah. they do have the old 100 and, minus 117 uh, point differential so far through uh, three weeks, which you don't, you don't like to see. You don't like but imagine see they get up, Doug. Imagine they get a lead. Now Kenyon Drake, huh? 12 carries against Dallas last week? I think Six Ken- targets? Mm. Kenyon Drake would have been interesting. He fumbled. He, he fumbled like within the red zone last week. I think that not like, a, not like a freak it matters because they just they bench these guys that get hurt. The team is like, the, te- the, 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 Dolphins are, <laughs> the Dolphins are like ranging dangerously close to what my old high school did uh, like three or four years ago when Coach Shelley, so uh, shout out to Coach Shelley, that, that looked at his team that season and said, 
we have too many freshmen and sophomores and not enough juniors and seniors, so we're just going to forfeit the season because these guys are just going to get hurt. We'll be back in two years when they're like their bodies are big enough are to go out there and oh, oh yeah, hundred percent Springfield Spartan pride, man. Um, yeah, like they had to just they had to just cancel the season uh, because there was the guy. He's like, I just can't in good conscience throw these kids out there. They're just going to get killed when we play Plymouth White Marsh and some of these <laughs> some of these other like other big schools. So cancel the season. I don't know, so I, I don't think the Dolphins are at that point yet, but oof, man, I, I'd be a little bit worried for my safety if I was running out there on a week to week basis. <laughs> for this team. Uh, Redskins go in and play the Giants. Interesting line here. My, Giants minus two and a half. Uh, the, the total started at 46 and a half and it's all the way up to 49. So you can thank the Daniel Jones era for ushering in at least people suspecting the Giants can score points. Whether it happens or not, uh, it remains to be seen on a consistent basis. But <laughs> at least Vegas believes this is no longer Eli Manning behind center. Uh, that total seems a little high to me, judging by this is the guy's second game and the Redskins are coming on the other side of this. Walk us through where we want to land on, besides Evan Ingram, we did talk about him yesterday, and I guess we did talk a little about Wayne Gallman also. Anything else to discuss here on the Giants side or, and how fantasy, how close the cash games are? This is, a nice, this is a pretty nice total going into week four. Yeah, I think the more I've thought about it, the more ready I am to roll Gallman out there. Hey, well, here Again, we go. Just because, yeah, I think I am, man. I, the more I've looked at this, first of all, Gallman has been the guy after Barkley so far this season. Again. Not really saying too much, given how tough the, it's been for the Giants so far. But the fact that they're actually favorites in a game, the fact that Daniel Jones does free up some space in the box, right? Like, you know, you can't just stack the box against Wayne Gallman um, when Daniel Jones could be slinging the ball to Benny Fowler and, and Evan Ingram, right? <laughs> just, these are huge names. Um, but yeah, but again, if all of the guys at a position are kind of bad and concerning to me, I'm usually just going to take the cheapest one. Like that's a, a maxim. Like it reminds me of like power forward in the NBA where it's like, do I want to pay 7,500 for Paul Millsap when he could just be just as bad on a points per dollar basis as, you know, Kenneth Fareed at 4,500? I don't know. Almost kind of like the Kenneth Fareed play to me where it's just like not going to be exciting. But again, if he's the last guy you punch into your lineup and it means you can play. Because what I really want to do is I want to, like, I just have a lot of demands for other positions. I really want to play Russell Wilson. I really want to play McCaffrey. And I really want to play Keenan Allen. And then after that, I really want to play those two other, two of those other, like, high $6,000 wide receivers. And that just doesn't leave a lot of flexibility uh, when it comes after there. Yeah, I can fiddle around at tight end. I could go cheap on a defense or something. But but I still think uh, going cheap on Gallman enables you to not have to make concessions away from really excellent plays elsewhere. So, uh, I think that's the case for Gallman. It's not the case for him specifically, but it's the case for how his price fits into the lineup as a whole. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably end up agreeing with you. We'll see where everyone else goes. I suppose Elijah Penny is kind of hanging around. Got three snaps last week, didn't do anything with him. So um, I, I think Gallman is probably just going to at least be the one-week answer and I put answer in quotes because I just don't have a great amount of trust in his overall ability. But if he's just going to be the guy that's on the field for two-thirds to 75% of the offensive snaps, then there's just a lot of value in that for, at his price point. So, and I agree, and I think you broke it down pretty well by just saying if the other these other guys are top priorities, then you just want to make you can make a concession with a guy like Gallman. It doesn't feel great, but it just might be where we land. Anything on the Redskins here? Uh, the Giants' defense is still not good. So uh, Daniel Jones did n does nothing to improve this defense that's been sort of just other teams have had their way with them. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay and Mike Evans looked amazing last week uh, after struggling through the first two weeks. Uh, Paul Richardson, Terry McLaurin, Trey Quinn, any of these, any of these receivers have any, you have any interest in them? The Giants' secondary has been getting absolutely decimated through the air. Well, I was actually going to ask you, 
if there was any consideration in your mind to wanting to play Adrian Peterson against the Giants this week. Uh, so the case for this, you know, bear with me, Doug, bear with me, buddy. The case for this is um, since becoming the first two down back in the last two games, it's been two really tough matchups against Dallas and against Chicago. So not game scripts that would be favorable uh, to a running back whatsoever. The Giants, for all of their improvement under Daniel Jones, are still not a defense I don't think we need to be too scared of, right? So I don't know. We, Adrian Peterson had 1,000 yards last season. <laughs> like I know he's old. I know Chris Thompson is there, and Chris Thompson's going to get all of those targets on third down, and, uh, and it's not going to be pretty from that perspective. But any thoughts at all about this running game for the Redskins? Nah, I mean, I guess the Giants' defense is nah. that bad. I, okay. like, I tried my best. We should probably just move on. <laughs> like, yeah, nah, I mean, look, Giants. It was going to be my only opportunity all season to make a case for any Redskins skilled player, so it's, I did my best. Well, I will, I will say this. The, the, Miami, the Dolphins are historically bad, are trending toward historically bad on defense, so you almost like, can't even count them at this point. They've been so bad. Uh, they're just so far beyond everybody else and just what they're allowing. Giants are the second worst team in defensive DVOA, DVOA for through the first three, three weeks. It, it gets masked a little bit just because of how bad Miami's been. But this Giants defense is very bad. So I, I think that like I think That's there are fantasy viable guys here. I if it was I feel like if this would be if it was like anybody else but Adrian Peterson. Like there's like eight teams that I just wish were facing the Giants this week instead <laughs> instead of the Redskins because mm-hmm. I would love to just play Almost like any of the running backs we've been talking about through up to this point that we've been wishy-washy about, I think if they were just playing the Giants, I think we'd have a lot of our questions answered. But they're just not. So I think that's like the only problem. It's just like just the wrong team on the slate. Like thank God Miami's not playing them. Like that's like the only other team I probably wouldn't want to see going up against the Giants this week. But <laughs> Redskins, the Redskins from a fantasy perspective are right there with them. It's hard to you know people love Terry McLaurin. Uh, I he's been pretty good through the first couple weeks. He's getting a lot of targets. Uh, like I said, Thompson out of the backfield. There are interesting guys here. I just like, like I said, I'm just lamenting the fact that you know, I want it to be one way, but it's another. So that's just the problem with it, with Washington. I, have, I don't have a lot of interest in Adrian Peterson. Tennessee goes in and plays the Falcons. The Falcons are four point home favorites. Forty six, uh, uh, forty six point over under. Uh, Julio Jones took one to the house. Uh, he's been uh, just every bit of a wide receiver one through the first couple for the first three weeks. Uh, we can talk about him a little bit. I did mention Matt Ryan. He was close to a cash game play, though I probably should have just written up Phillip Rivers in the same price point. That was probably a mistake. Uh, and then uh, Devontae Freeman was actually a guy that was creeping around some cash games just because that price is bottomed out, but it's hard to trust. Uh, give me your thoughts on this game just as a whole. Any interest on either side of the ball here? Well, yeah, the interest on Freeman, I think, comes from Ito Smith's status. So right now, Ito uh, Smith still listed as questionable with a concussion he mispracticed on Wednesday and he is in the protocol so um I think it's it that's definitely a situation worth watching um and again in the old quick smell sniff test category you know we've seen it literally one million times with the Falcons so far but if Ito Smith were to be ruled out and they also have like just a few other like let me see here these are got not Brian Hill Brian Hill Kenjin well, Barner is also yeah. questionable with a concussion. So, um, right. would you ever consider playing Devonta Freeman? Like, if we got the news that Edo Smith was going to officially miss the game, would you consider uh, running Freeman out there, or do you think Brian Hill would just step in and get eight carries and and kind of pee in your soup there? We've seen it so many times with the Falcons, like you said, yeah. that they just this is not the plan. The, but the, but actually was the plan last week. It, like they did play, he played fifty five of the sixty one offensive snaps. This is Freeman. Now I know Edo Smith got okay. hurt early, early in the, he got early, he was hurt earlier in this game, and they just might not have the third running back kind of like hanging around there or ready to play. Uh, no no other running back 
I don't think, unless I'm like missing a snap here, I'm looking at their snap count um, right now. I don't think another running back got any snaps. Uh, I'm not doing a great. No, Ken Jamarner did get three snaps. So I, I guess there's just, ah, man, it's just the Falcons. They just don't, they, 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 they do this every time. Now, Freeman is probably close enough in terms of overall price, and that's where you see it. He's only 5000 on DraftKings, and this is where he's so kind, cheap. He's kind of hanging around. Like he, at this price, actually, right now, sort of even without that Edo Smith news, he is in lineup six on DraftKings. So I think that if Edo Smith were to just be officially ruled out, we probably would see Freeman vault forward in terms of because like because so here's a way to actually think about it. Would you rather go uh, on DraftKings? Would you rather go Devontae Freeman at five thousand if we knew Edo Smith was going to be out, or Wayne Gallman at forty six hundred for four hundred less? I, I think that becomes like starting like Freeman. the Asian, yeah. I think so too. I, like I think that I'd be. I think that's not should, even close. Yeah, I agree. Honest. I think Freeman is so far ahead of Wayne Gallman. <laughs> like he's at least a guy who has had some good games in the past, you know, <laughs> like I'll, I'll take it. And I think on FanDuel, there's a, a strong case building for him there too. He's only 400 more expensive than Gallman and the kind of that Burkhead group. Like I think that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a play that you're going to be super psyched about, but he's already getting four targets a game and the touches are on the rise. So, and, and like, you know, like we've said many times, game script is the primary thing that really matters for these guys in the first place. It's been some tough games so far for Atlanta. You have to think being home against Tennessee, who's looked shaky in their own right, is got to be his best situation of the season. So um, I'm ready, buddy. I think we found one. I think we found a pl- an actual play. Oh, boy. I can't believe it. This, this really Let's go. This, <laughs> the clap in the background. All right. Uh, so I think that probably covers our thoughts here on the Falcons. That Calvin Ridley was really a non-factor last week. They kind of said that um, that wasn't going to be the, continue to be the case going forward. He was barely targeted last week. He, he actually said his quote was, I had trouble getting open, which I was thinking is so funny because that feels like a gym class kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like even if it was – That's like, like me when I would go play pickup, and it was just like not quite the right – pick up basketball crowd and be like i don't know man my guy was just that much more athletic than me that i just could never get away even one step away from him so i just didn't touch the ball for a half an hour <laughs> i just couldn't get over there these guys are like these guys must all play varsity uh okay uh tennessee i don't know 21 21 implied points passing games a total mess derrick henry every once in a while would just kind of put together these huge games if he's allowed to be on the field enough uh any quick thoughts on fantasy from the fantasy viability of the, t- uh, the titans uh no i mean I just hate Marcus Mariota. I think I've been burned by him plus whatever combination of any other guys so many times that it's just extremely uninteresting to me. I mean, when you have a team whose most expensive wide receiver is 5,200, I think that generally tells you. It's not because the expensive receivers got hurt, by the way. It's just because this offense has not been able to sustain really any fantasy production outside of a now too expensive Derrick Henry. So. Nope, not playing any Titans in any format this week. You know your your offense and just your quarterback are kind of a mess. Mariota has the third most rushing yards on the season for any quarterback, which usually is like, okay, good. That's like you're a pretty fantasy viable guy, except that they're so terrible in the passing game, so he ends up being like the 17th highest just overall fantasy quarterback, which is so hard to do if you run for, if you already run for 90 yards. Like I can't even stress this enough. Like if you are if you just made up 9 points on most of these other quarterbacks who don't run at all, and you're still just living around like the Philip Rivers, Matthew Stafford range of fantasy quarterback. You're just you're so below average in the passing game for whatever reason that yeah. it's just it's just really a shame. So yeah, I'm with you. The Mariota thing is just it's not a bummer because like I don't care if he was really good or bad, but you just kept waiting for him to be really fantasy viable, knowing that he's other this other skill set and it's just not going to happen. Patriots go in and play the Bills. 
Bills kind of hanging around the world of respectability here. Three and zero to start the season. I know they've had some nice matchups. Uh, they have a plus nineteen point differential. Mm-hmm. So right now, the, the the fight for the AFC East uh, between the undefeated Patriots and the undefeated Bills is a very very real thing. Buffalo fans, shout out to my cousins Robbie and Brad, who just absolutely love the Bills. They can maybe fly themselves through some tables in the parking lot this weekend. But seven and a half point home road favorites still for the Patriots here. Patriots for you know the opposite of what the the Dolphins have done, just in terms of being bad. The Patriots have been that part of being good. Plus eighty nine points so far. I do not believe they've had allowed an offensive touchdown to start the season. They've outscored their opponents one hundred and six to seventeen, and one of those was that pick six yeah. that Stidham throw through where they had to bring Brady in last week. Break down the Patriots here. No Antonio Brown, obviously anymore. Julian Edelman looks like he's going to play. Rex Burkhead got all the seemed like he got all the running back snaps last week. James White's back in the mix. Too many cooks in this kitchen, or just another situation where we maybe can target some Patriots. Well, yeah, I guess the real question for me is how much do I want to trust the uh, the implied Vegas totals here, right? So the Pats open at minus seven. They're down to minus seven and a half now. Do you really feel like they're only one touchdown favorites against the Bills here? I mean, like short of this being like an early season preview of the AFC Championship, which I just don't think it is. Like no one really expected the Bills to actually be good. And the Patriots just seem sort of historically good. I don't know. I, I just think it's going to be really, really hard for Buffalo to do anything. And the way this impacts the Patriots, I think, indirectly, is that if it's going to be close, you're going to see like massive target targets for guys like Edelman. I mean, I think you wrote up for cash games this week. Edelman had 10 targets in the first half last week, right? So he's kind of the main guy. I mean, granted, James White was out, so some of that should be redistributed. But I don't know. This is a, this is a tough one for me to parse. Because I think if you assume that Vegas is correct, and this really is a seven-point game, then I think you play... Uh, as many Patriots as you can, you play them with reckless abandon in spite of the Bills being a very strong defense. Um, I guess I'm not quite as confident. And I also am a little bit concerned, especially on the running back tip. Um, I think between Michelle White and Burkhead, I, I just don't, I'm not seeing a lot of value there, but maybe uh, maybe you can talk me into something. I want to believe that they're going to start losing faith in Sonny Michelle, but we've just seen too many times with the Patriots, you just don't, you can never trust what the plan is going to be at running back, even on a week to week basis. So that's the point. That's the part that you can't trust. If Burkhead ended up getting all the snaps this week, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't want to be the one that, as you say, catches, tries to catch the falling knife with trying to figure out what their plan is because the Patriots for years have done this with it's like, you just think it's Cordero Patterson's like the new running back. And it's like, ah, it turns out it's just somebody else. Like, right. Like some guy you never heard of. And that guy just disappears just as quickly. It's not exactly the same situation this season. Cause these are known commodities, but um, we've just seen it year after year. We mentioned to the Falcons, you know, not being able to trust the situation. We can't really trust the Patriots, but for a slightly different reason, they kind of just will ride hot hands or they just have a plan going into a week. Cause they've seen something on film that you'll just never know about. So that's really where um, I, I have trouble just kind of, getting getting going on any of the running game, even though I really do want to play Rex Burkhead in this matchup. Uh, Edelman's a lock for me at yeah. cash. It's uh, it's close for me to just lock Edelman and Gordon, but I do think the Gordon target share went up a little bit with no James White last week too. So uh, I'm a little less high on the safety behind Gordon, but Edelman for me is just a pretty easy cash play on both sides. I think if you had to, like, yeah, just okay. bet, if you had to bet your life on another wide receiver getting – double-digit targets this week outside of Keenan Allen, I think Edelman would be the guy that I just, like, you know, bet my life on. Uh, just and, and I think I'd feel – well, I wouldn't, wow. feel, I wouldn't feel good about it because it's my life on the line, but um, I'd feel at least good that, <laughs> that I'd, I'd be praying for an injury because I feel like that's the only way that that doesn't happen. Uh, what about the Bills? Josh Allen's been a really, again, a fantasy-viable quarterback for what he can do be- between the air and the ground, but this, this – I don't know, this Patriots defense has been so damn good. Uh, you know, you mentioned the 7.5 being maybe – 
just a nice place to get in on the Patriots. Uh, is that enough for you here? Do you, do you see Allen be able to make up some of that difference? Um, I'm not super interested in playing any Bills outside of big tournaments. I, I can't imagine playing any of these guys in cash games. Uh, John Brown was kind of a hot commodity after a 10-target week in week one. Uh, that dipped down to eight targets against the Giants and then five against Cincinnati. I don't think he's going to be a real reliable source of fantasy production going forward. So, um, nah, I'm not going to play any Bills here. The running game has been sort of all over the place as well. I just don't see a strong case for it. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's just they look, this the Patriots defense might just – this Patriots defense is the real deal. I know they've had a pretty easy schedule to start the season if, the, if you thought the Steelers were sort of compromised. Uh, and then obviously the Dolphins are terrible. But um, I, I'm, just, I'm, gonna, I'm not interested really even from a tournament upside piece. I think they just kind of are playing like with that proverbial chip on their shoulder. I think they just want to keep curb stomping other teams. I think that's their plan this season. And it really looks like the defense is good enough to get it done. Let's get into the four o'clock. Yeah, give me the give me the my 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 bookie play of the week, Doug. I'm taking the Patriots minus seven and a half. That just seems like really good value. Um, I think the Bills are getting too much credit for uh, beating some easy teams in the first three weeks of the season. By the way, squeaking by the Jets, who suck also. So, um, yeah, my yeah, my bookie play of the week. Give me. the I knew Patriots. they had played someone else terrible, and I just was I, I blanked off the top of my head that yeah. um, the Jets thing. Yeah, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code overtime. O v e r t i m e. First time customers going to. De- uh, double their initial deposit up to a hundred dollars. James loves the point, uh, the plus, excuse me, the minus seven and a half re- uh, Patriots on the road. I do think that Bills, that Bills faithful is not going to want to hear that, but uh, I think we're dealing with a Patriots team that huh, I wouldn't be surprised if Patriots just looked at these these lines every week and just like were working to cover them. Like that wouldn't shock me the way these teams like sort of just Definitely. like get motivated. Like uh, this is this stuff's just public knowledge. Um, if you ever want to just look at numbers, like straight up numbers that you can, especially a team like the Patriots, they can just use to inform how badly they want to beat somebody. Like I, I have to feel they look at this number. They're like seven and a half. Huh? We'll see about that. All right, uh, <laughs> Seahawks and Cardinals. We've talked about Russell Wilson as just being our favorite cash game quarterback this week. They started as a four-point road favorite. They're up to five points, uh, and they're up to 26.5 implied total. And I'm not going to run through the Russell Wilson thing. Uh, the Cardinals have just allowed uh, basically every quarterback they played against to have their best game of the year and among the best games uh, through the NFL season so far from a fantasy perspective. I think that we're going to see pretty high ownership on Wilson. And again, I have to remind you that, people, this is independent of what he did last week. I don't think... Even just an average game from Wilson last week would have still been – it wouldn't have mattered. We're looking at all the other contextual pieces for why he's a cash game play. So uh, I, I get he was great, and I guess that makes you feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. That's really not the reason we're putting him out as a cash game play. I do want to get your opinion on Chris Carson, though. Uh, it looks like Penny is still going to be out here. Carson, they – you know, at least in the court of public opinion or the court of what the, the coaches – the coach speak – they say they still believe in Chris Carson here. He had 15 carries last week. He continues to fumble. He fumbled again last week. He really had never fumbled at all for his career. I think he's already fumbled three times this season. He had 37 snaps. C.J. Prosize got 46 snaps. They were playing catch-up most of the game, though. Uh, what are your thoughts on Carson as a favorite in this game against a very compromised Cardinals defense that we know is going to play at a fast pace? Is there enough there to play Carson in cash games? I do think we'll see some ownership on him this, this week. Yeah, I mean... If Penny winds up missing, I think you can make a pretty strong case for it. But what's happened with Carson this season is kind of what I've always hated about Chris Carson, which is that sometimes opportunity doesn't mean crap when it comes to him actually producing on the field, right? Like, this is a guy, so far this season, he's got 45 carries, so it's a reasonable sample size, 
for 158 yards. It's awful. Like, just like, you know, and it's not been the hardest matchups in the world either. At Pittsburgh, who's really struggled defensively. New Orleans, not a great defensive team. They had Teddy Bridgewater going too. Uh, so it's not like they, they were just stuck on the field the whole time. And then Cincinnati, who also stinks. So I don't know. Like, Carson at 7000 now, it's not a terrible price. We're talking about a lot of tough running backs, but um, to kick it back to you the same way you did earlier, Carson at seven or Marlon Mack at 7,300. What do you think? Marlon, Marlon Mack, I don't think I'd play. I'd not yeah, I'll take Marlon Mack too, there. and I don't think you want to play both. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I think he's on, he's on the outside looking in for me. Yep, uh, I think I'm with you I, again. Like the fact that that even in that in, sort of even a somewhat of an that wasn't somewhat in a totally negative game script last week, he just got out snapped. Like he's just not going to be on the field if they're playing any kind of catch up. That's probably not the case with yep. Mac either. And I don't know the seven point home favorites. I'll let that be the tiebreaker for me on Mac. I, I probably don't even really sure. need it to be a tiebreaker. I think I just can definitively say at those price points, I'd rather play Mac. We talked about Tyler Lockett as a pretty strong cash game play. I think we're going to probably end up playing at least on DraftKings Will Disley at tight end that you just were able to pick up in your DFSR 33,000 team league or whatever that's in where there's just absolutely <laughs> nobody to ever pick up. A, 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 a 32 wire. team league. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So close. Uh, so you get Disley. I think we're going to end up playing Disley on DraftKings at that price. I don't think he's quite the value on FanDuel, so I'm not really worried about it there. 3,600 on DraftKings seems pretty pretty nice considering that they traded away Nick Vanett. We walked Kyler Murray into cash games last week. Um, I kept waiting for the catch-up piece to happen, and he just kept getting sacked uh, by the Panthers. So he just he was never able to sure totally did. get over it, <laughs> never able to get up off the mat long enough to, to come back. But from a fantasy perspective, this is the, we're still looking at a guy, even with what you would consider to be a down week last week, he is the sixth overall fantasy scoring quarterback on the season the the conversion rate's been bad he's only completing 61 completing 61 percent of his passes but he has thrown for 130 total yards this season that's fourth in the nfl he has 86 rushing yards uh, among quarterbacks that is fifth in the nfl you want to believe each week that goes by he's going to get more and more comfortable it didn't totally play out last week but i don't know kyler murray not a cash game play but are we still considering like GPP upside? Can we run him as a naked quarterback? I and mean, what do we, what do you think here at Kyler Murray in a game where at least Vegas projects them to be playing catch up? Yeah, I think I like Murray. Um, again, in a big tournaments only, I'm not going to play him for cash, but I think we've seen enough for him that he's in that small group of guys who could get it done through the air or on the ground. And I think that's just what we want in a high upside fantasy viable quarterback. I will say that the, his tendency to take sacks, has our system liking Seattle's defense a little bit here uh, going into this week. You know, Murray's explosive. He's kind of scary. He can definitely get a lot done. But, man, if you're going to occasionally take, like, five to ten sacks a game, uh, that gives your opposing fantasy defense a plenty high floor. So uh, I wouldn't rule out seeing Seattle coming across as a, a fairly highly owned big tournament. Or, I'm sorry, cash game defense this week. Yeah, they were sneaking in and around cash games uh, as it was right now. They're not. There's no real, to me just like out and out fantasy defense to play this week. Uh, I guess you can you know think about just paying again all the way up for the Chargers because anyone that's going to play the Dolphins uh, every single week is just going to be uh, a team that you need to consider. But I do I'm, I'm with you that Seattle ends up is probably is going to be probably in the conversation at least. Christian Kirk led the team in targets last week with 12. David Johnson had nine. Uh, Johnson did touch the ball 20 times. Uh, does the nine targets? for you on DJ get you there enough to consider him maybe from a tournament perspective that at least he's just going to be on the field uh like again he's they seem to just struggle with him completely in the run game but again 60 6800 on DraftKings not 
cheap, cheap, but with 20 overall touches, I think you can start considering it. 6,800 again on a Fanduel, just not enough out of the running game for him, or is there some upside? Yeah, there's upside. Uh, I think he's got to be on the list of running backs that has that extremely pronounced uh, big tournament upside. You know, any running back that's going to get nine targets and double-digit carries can occasionally go absolutely off for you. Uh, I'm not going to play him as an underdog, so I'm not going to touch him for cash, I don't think. No, I'm with you there. I just want to kind of throw it out there. I think as long as he's just going to be the every – basically, the Chase Edmonds is around too, but basically the every down back – I suspect that we're going to see some week where we're going to be pressed into really thinking about him as a play. I don't think this is the one, but um, I do think there's going to eventually come a time when we're going to be looking at DJ, uh, DJ David Johnson and wondering if he is actually a cash game play. All right, moving through, got a couple games left. Tampa Bay goes in and plays the Rams. Rams, for a bit, had the highest overall team total this week that have dropped a little bit, but they're still 10-point home favorites against the Bucks. This game is a 49.5-point total. Bucks got to go across the country and play in L.A. after playing the Giants last week. Uh, Todd Gurley, 14 carries, one target last week. It's just As much as Sean McVay says he wants to like, get the guy touches, I, I feel like that's just a lie, right? It's a lie when they say they want to run Gurley a lot at this point, right? Like There's just there's no plan at all yes. to do this. Okay, good. I, I just want to make sure that we're just like clear about like, <laughs> what, a coach sa- what a coach says as compared to like what actually happens because – I get that they're like, yeah, hey, we just got to get him going. We got to get him like some more touches. I feel like that's only for Gurley's benefit. Like that just doesn't. I mean, I guess he had sixteen and four two weeks sure ago. Sure, looks um, like it. But I mean, I don't know the 16-4, 10 point home favorites. At, like Gurley's another one. I, man, it's so weird because like, what do you want to like? What do you want to set his opportunity at? He's seven thousand on DraftKings. The ten. The, it's really the, the ten point home favorite here that I'm like. That's got me a little twisted. Sixty eight hundred on Fanduel. Like. We're a year away from this guy. It was like ninety eight hundred last year. Is that just? Can we not even use that as any kind of metric? Because I, I feel like I'm going to keep getting tempted into wanting to play Todd Gurley, and it probably is chasing my tail. Just wait, wait for the first week where he touches the ball more than fifteen times in the game, and then I think you can start to get excited about it. Um, you know, I, I think I guess New Orleans he touched the ball twenty times in that game, but literally in both the other games, fourteen carries, one target. That's it. That's just not enough, even at 6,800. So no matter how good you are almost on a, a yards per carry basis, and Gurley hasn't been exceptional there either, uh, now, right now I'm, I'm just not touching this guy. Oh, man, I feel like we're going to see it. I feel like we're going to see a week That's where, fine. Yeah. Well, so let's see it. Just give me it for a week, and then I'll, I'll be right back in. As soon as he's going to get 22 carries, 22 touches a game, I'm, I'm ready to hop back on board. I just don't see it happening. I'm not going to be the one who guesses what the first week that is, I don't think. There is a situation that we're kind of experiencing on fan, excuse me, on DraftKings right now, where our system really wants to play four wide receivers this week. It's Keenan Allen. We mentioned Tyler Lockett, Julian Edelman, and the fourth guy is Cooper Cup at 6,500. Uh, it's and it's interesting because Edelman, Lockett, and Cup are all well, 65, 65, and then Lockett 63. Are you okay, considering the running back situation that we've already nodded to saying this is just really problematic? So, especially this week. Would you be okay with this kind of possession receiver kind of guy? Four of these guys going into cash games. Meet, Cooper's median targets through three weeks is ten. Uh, is he does he fit into that group of of safe kind of guys, or do you get worried when you look around and see you know Gurley coming out of the backfield? You see Cooks, you see Robert Woods. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Cup? Because our system really wants to play him as the as the flex spot right now. I definitely get a little bit concerned, uh, but I think that. Just because it's it's very, very rare that an offense can sustain fantasy production for three $7,000 and more wide receivers. Uh, right now, it sure looks like Robert Woods is the odd man out there. Uh, Woods, two targets against New Orleans. 
He only turned his eight targets into three catches uh, in their previous game. So I think Woods is probably the, the odd man out there. And we've seen Cooks, you know, take a week off here and there as well. So I guess Cup is the, the safest guy in that group. But it wouldn't shock me for there to be a week that it shows up where he's the guy who gets four targets, right? Just because it seems like the Rams don't want to like off air not 45 times. And it's not like, like the thing that's, that's different between Cook and, say, Edelman is I can clearly point to these two other guys and be like, these are guys that have had 15 target weeks, that have put up, you know, 150 receiving yards in a game. And if for whatever reason Cook, Cook isn't, or I'm sorry, Cup isn't available, they all have very similar names too, which, which I always appreciate. If for some reason Cup is uh, getting covered more or, you know, it doesn't go well early in the game, like they have so many options between uh, the other two wide receivers and Ty Gurley for that matter. So that's the only thing that would scare me off it. And again, I might just wind up be using this for tiebreakers for a bunch of really excellent wide receiver options this week. But yeah, I, I really like Cup in a vacuum. And if he was in lineups, I, I wouldn't kick him out. Uh, Mike Evans is coming off a huge week against the Giants. I'd still probably caution people to say uh, this Mike Evans is really not so different than the Mike Evans that's been a frustrating fantasy guy through multiple seasons now. I get that he just torched the Giants for 8 for 15, 193 touchdowns. I totally get it. Even with that game on the season, Mike Evans is still only converting 50% of his targets, uh, 28, 14 for 28 uh, almost all of his production was just in that one game. This is one of the rare occasions where the guy, I'm saying this is a joke where this guy had a huge game. We're not going to just start him in cash games. I have no interest in playing Mike Evans like at these price points. I let other people kind of ride the coattails of what he did last week against the Giants defense that is just, just lets it up through the air. Uh, no, no, th- I mean, are you, do you have anything to disagree with that? I, I, if anything, I'd probably go back to Chris Godwin that people were just all over to start the season. They, they found something with, with, uh, with Evans last week and I get it. And they kind of, they, they went for it, but, uh, I, I think I'd probably just turn back to Godwin in this thing. I don't think Evans doesn't have, doesn't, I have very little interest. Is there anything that you disagree with there? No, I don't. Um, you know, heading back over to fan share Evans, the top three in terms of overall buzz, in terms of how much people are discussing him, in terms of uh, you know big tournament possibilities. Good, and don't play him. I think, uh, like I've no, yeah, forget. And God, Godwin's like top fifteen. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how the public sentiment is shaking out on him right now. Yeah, good. I, like this is a situation where I kind of want other people to kind of figure, like, say to themselves, "Oh, I'm interested in, in kind of uh, tailing this big game." I, I just don't, I just don't see it. Evans to me is just still very much the same guy. He's boomer bust and just it feels way more often on the bust side uh, for just like between the James, yeah. between Jameis and just what Evans kind of because how he profiles as a wide receiver. No interest at all in the running backs either. Final two games, Jacksonville goes into Denver. I think we're going to be in out of these last two games pretty quickly from a fantasy perspective. Uh, but, man, our system, Leonard Fournette, is still hanging around here in, in terms of lineups. He's 6,000 on DraftKings. He is an every down back. He's an every down back on a bad team who kind of looks cooked outside of like one big run last week. If Leonard, like, are we just going to need to do something to this projection because we just can't really aren't going to be able to handle Leonard Fournette as an underdog cash game in Denver? That's how I feel right now, and I kind of just want to continue to have downward guidance on his projection. But that this would be a situation where we are just saying we don't want to play Leonard Fournette. Like, I think the usage and all this <laughs> stuff is correct, and I even think the yards per carry isn't crazy. The six thousand dollar price tag is what's really kind of vaulting him into cash games. But are we just going to have to bite the bullet and say the projection? It's just not what we want to see when it comes to a safe play this week. That's kind of how I'm feeling. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of moving parts that make Fournette a difficult guy to just project out. Um, you know, like you've seen in Fournette's history, 
and be the absolute super reliable bell cow back that's touching the ball, you know, 25 to 30 times a game. Um, he's touching the ball a lot this season, like in spite of these negative game scripts. Uh, but he's got that Chris Carson factor for me where, you know, 15 carries in each of the last two games, 30 total carries for 113 yards. That's just not a whole lot of value. And if your carries are like, this is where opportunity can become tricky in football, because if your opportunities are less valuable than another player's opportunities, then you can't just look at raw carries or raw targets, you know, for a team that has a difficult time scoring touchdowns in one of the most difficult places in the entire world to score touchdowns as an opposing offense uh, going into mile high there. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a tough situation, man. I don't know. I, I really, I really don't want to see this guy showing up. And as I'm comparing him to other guys that are not too far away in terms of price, like those guys in the low 7,000s, they just seem to carry a much higher floor to me. And, and Fournette is not where I want to be for cash this week. Real quick, so I'm just looking at DraftKings right now. We have a lineup. These are the only differences in these two lineups. Leonard Fournette and the Panthers defense or Wayne Gallman and the Chargers defense. That's the only ever the rest of the lineup is exactly the same between the running between the running backs <laughs> between the running backs and the right receivers. It's just is this one running back position so Fournette and the Panthers or Fournette and the Cardinals like it kind of switches between these defenses. It's like like the the Panthers, Broncos and Cardinals are all kind of like mixed together in terms of price. The uh, Leonard Fournette and those like sort of worse defenses or Gallman and a much better maybe position for the Chargers. Give me Fournette. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe you said that. I, I I was like, oh my god, Gallman. Yeah. We'll go Gallman and the Chargers, and I'll just be prepared to be disappointed. Oh man. No, I think Fournette. Fournette's a better. I think Fournette probably should have a higher raw product uh, points. Jeez, Louise. I think Fournette should have a higher projection than Gallman. He week. does. He does. But and it's just that the Chargers have a, such a higher projection than these other defenses. Like that's the that's the difference. I yeah, think. they have a great matchup with Miami. I I think that Arizona is again a sneaky. Or no, the Carolina doesn't play Arizona. Who's Carolina playing? Uh, they Jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. Houston. Yeah, yeah, Never mind. I take it back. In my mind, Carolina was playing Arizona again, back-to-back. Um, no, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's closer. I think probably Gallman and the Dolphins. Then. All right, final game here. Vikings go in and play the Bears. This game has a 38 over. The Bears. <laughs> the boring Bears is what they are. It's, it's such, a, such a really low total here. 38 total. This is the 425 game. Uh, we talked about Dalvin Cook as one of these bell cow guys, uh, but the Vikings 17 and a half, excuse me, 17.75 team total, so low. They are road underdogs to a gr- still not as elite as last year so far, but still top five DVOA Bears defense. Uh, I feel like Cook again is like just if he was playing anybody else. I, I feel like on this slate we'd be playing Cook, and I I feel like this is like maybe the one situation where we can't do it. Maybe the Patriots, even the Patriots, I think I'd probably play him. I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts here? Uh, any any additional thoughts on this game, or are we just looking at a team t- two team totals that are too low to consider for fantasy? I think that's probably it. Um, you know, I was somewhat high on Dalvin Cook again when I was just looking across my other options at running back, and I still maintain that I think he's a playable option for all formats this week, but I understand the reluctancy, and I'm just not sure, you know, as you compare him to some of the cheaper options, if that's where you're going to wind up wanting to land. Again, just investing more money at a bad position to get, you know, probably a similar uh, points per dollar floor. So unfortunately, with some reluctance, I I probably won't be able to play him. And man, the Bears offense just couldn't be any more of a match. Trubisky just is terrible. The running game is not becoming established. You're not going to touch these guys. So uh, yeah, this one uh, might be wind up. It's a great game for real life football purposes, probably, but 
a stay away for DFS? Oh, like the people that claim, I love to see those defensive matchups. I guess some people do like it. I, give me touchdowns all day. I Look, they, the one thing you're going to like, and maybe this is... Well, you only watch the Red Zone channel, Doug, so you don't get to see a lot of the defensive grinding out uh, matchups. But for those of us that like really like to just stare at the lines crashing into each other and the guys sweeping... No, I'm just kidding. I like to watch touchdowns. Doth with the protest. I watch more than the Red Zone channel. All right, uh, the David Montgomery did carry the ball. <laughs> I don't think this is the week, but we're going to see David Montgomery, 44 snaps, uh, out of the run game last week, but he carried the ball 13 times for 67 yards and had three targets. I think that, you know, Tara Cohen and Mike Davis, well, Mike Davis was out of the mix. Uh, Cohen around still kind of, you know, still will cut into his production, but the more we can get Mike Davis out of the picture, I think David Montgomery probably will end up one of these weeks becoming a value. This just doesn't seem like the one. All right, we're going to get out of here. This always entered mega podcast territory. The old one hour and f- we're going to end up at one hour and 15 minutes with no breaks. So go find there's not a, I don't feel like there's a lot of other industry people that can just roll through these games without having to take a break. So I'll pat ourselves on the back. Uh, I think we do. <laughs> I, 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 dude, I like I think we do a good job of this, man. I like I'm not going to I'll toot our own horn a little bit. We've seen again. We keep seeing these the podcast numbers go up or on the, the overtime media network is helping us for sure. Uh, there's some other pieces that are helping us. I think that people just, once they listen to the podcast, they keep listening. I think that's a testament to that. I, I think we do a good job with this. So whatever. I'll do a little brag. I do too, buddy. Pat, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing in agreement with you. I, I don't want you to take it any other way. We, we've been doing this long enough that we ought to be pretty good at it. So uh, totally. uh, I'm right there with you, bud. All right. DFSR.com is the site. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on our that projection system we've been talking about this whole time. It'll give you a seven-day free trial, so you check it out right now. You're going to be you have a free trial through the week. That's how much we trust our projections and trust our system. We're giving to people for free just because, I don't know, people get burned by other sites out there, and they have a level of distrust among the industry that we don't really subscribe to because people have come with us and stick with us for the long term. So get a, grab a free, day, free seven-day trial. Go check it out. Uh, talk to people in the chat. Talk to our users. Uh, they'll tell you what it's all about, and we think you'll be with us for the long term. DFSR.com slash deals. If you don't want to go do that, just do something, something as simple as rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, you give it five stars. That helps us as well. Subscribing to it helps. All that, all those little clicks, uh, even if they don't cost you any money, but they really help us out a lot. So go, go do that as well. DFSR.com slash deals, rate and review the podcast. Those are our two big asks for the week. Buddy, enjoy your week four in the NFL. Talk to you on Sunday when we talk lineups and then tilt the hell out of the first five minutes. Peace.